Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Mental Health Matters show focused on mental health and wellness for our caregiver community. Providence is working to fill the gaps in education, resources, and services available to caregivers when it comes to our mental health and to provide a helping hand when roles are reversed and our caregivers are the ones in need of care. The My Mental Health Matters program is highlighting the need for professionals in the medical field to have tools to overcome mental health challenges, recognize that need in their coworkers, and to create a working environment of support and mental wellness. So let's get started. Today, I have Diana Alcantar, the Clinical Program Manager for the Behavioral Health and Primary Care Integration Program for Providence in Orange County, California. So thanks for joining us, Diana. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm going to start you off with a pretty easy one. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and what you do for the organization? So like, um, like Mary said, I'm a licensed mental health therapist, but I'm also the clinical program manager for the behavioral health and primary integration program. We work with uh, uh, PCPs as well with our psychiatrist um, and nurse practitioners if they need to be involved. So we work in a very uh, collaborative care uh, model, uh, tr- trying to treat the patients more in a holistic way. So, you know, I know you're focused very much on care, you know, provision for our patients, but I also know that you're really working hard to kind of help with your fellow caregivers, right? Your other, you know, your other employees per se of Providence, because at Providence, we do call our employees caregivers. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about why are we seeing such an increase in depression and anxiety and substance abuse and, and just so much mental health kind of just bombardment of our employees, especially healthcare workers? I will say we started seeing an increase in um, mental health uh, needs um, right after the pandemic. So during the COVID, um, we started seeing our caregivers uh, being impacted and mental health was something that we started talking more about. Of course, the isolation, I think, has to do a lot with it. We are social species, right? We, um, I think connection is huge. I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with Brene Brown, but she said we are hardwired for connection. Through her research, she came to find like that that's, you know, that's who we are. And so I think that um, with the pandemic, um, there was a lot of isolation, not just physical, but also for our caregivers, you know, the concern of, hey, maybe I need to relocate my mom because I don't want her to get COVID or exposure since they were our frontline workers. So I think mental health started to rise. The needs started to rise um, incredibly um, when we uh, started um, facing this pandemic. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, you made two really good points there, right? Which is it rose, right? It's always been there. Healthcare is a very stressful. It's, it's very hard on people, right? It's a kind of an always on situation. But also you talked a little bit about not just the front line, because I think a lot of times when you think healthcare workers, you think nurses, doctors, you know, CNAs, environmental services, but there's so much behind the scenes that goes in. And, and you're right. I mean, the entire world of healthcare has shifted there. I mean, so many of our, our physicians had to start doing virtual visits and a lot of our communications paths, you know, we were doing like all Zoom calls to make sure that everybody had all the information about, you know, what our bed situations look like. So why, why is healthcare just such a stressful industry as a whole? Well, I think as a whole, if we think about, you know, even if we reflect on our mission statement here at Providence, know me, care for me, ease my way, right? That is very uh, service-like, right? Our field is really to serve those in our community, serve our patients. Um, and so it, I think that the difference here is that in the last year, 
right? Like you said, we are already in a high stress environment, but add the the pandemic to it, of course, right? It, 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 there, there is a lot of just kind of reason why there's such an increase because um, I think in this field, it, it really is focused on serving others. And oftentimes you dismiss maybe what what you're going through or what you're experiencing and maybe not seek out for any um, help or counseling if you need it. So I, I truly think that it has, a, this was at a different level because although we are already in a, in a, in a stressful environment, um, this kind of tipped it off a little bit more than um, it ever has. And so um, I think that it has a lot to do with, with just kind of the field also that we're in, like I said, really focusing on serving others. I think it's interesting. I know Providence talks a lot about kind of the wounded caregiver, right? And I think people don't necessarily think about all that goes on behind the scenes when you are taking care of other people. And I think it's important to note that. And, you know, I know Providence is doing a lot for behavioral health for our caregivers specifically. And one of those things is the My Mental Health Matters program. Could you talk to me a little bit about, you know, just a quick overview of, of the work being done, but why you think it's so important? Well, um, I think... Providence has really come together to provide these services that maybe in the past weren't there. I, I think it's been great to see, for example, the behavioral health concierge um, being able to have that, you know, accessibility to just call and get connected. And so I, I, I think it's very, very important because it, it starts filtering the work that we do. And the reality is that we're as human as the patient across from us, right? We still experience stressors, we still face maybe traumatic events. Um, and so I think that it, these new opportunities that Providence is pay, uh, paving for our staff, for our caregivers is so incredibly important uh, because uh, it gives them the tools that they need to be able to also uh, work at their best uh, uh, abilities. For those who don't know, I mean, can you explain a little bit about what behavioral health concierge is? So my understanding, Behavioral Health Concierge is a helpline where you can call um, if you're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, um, and someone uh, will help you, kind of guide you through the steps of how to, to get connected with a professional. Um, so the Behavioral Health Concierge, I believe, was created so that if you were ever, a caregiver was ever maybe faced with a challenge, maybe feeling overwhelmed during their shift, that they could just call and talk to someone and get connected. It was so, so very important when that kind of took effect, especially during the beginning of the pandemic, because there was so much stress around losing people. And especially when you started seeing young people dying of COVID, I noticed mm -hmm. it was really, really hard on our nursing staff. And I just felt like they couldn't even really talk to each other about it because it was mm -hmm. so overwhelming. But being able to talk to an expert in that field makes a huge difference. I'm it sure. really does. Yeah, it really does. Well, one of the things in the My Mental Health program is this mental health checkup. Um, do, you, do you have any information on that? Would you be able to share a little bit about what that is? I think uh, the mental health checkup is a questionnaire. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a questionnaire that, you, um, that prompts all of our caregivers to kind of check in. Um, it, you know, are there any stressors? Are there any, you know, anything uh, maybe that might be cont contributing to that stress, et cetera? And so it's one way of kind of helping you stay uh, in tune with kind of your um, 
where you're at, where your mental health is. Um, and it's a tool that's being utilized um, to help uh, give you some guidance. Um, if your thermometer, for example, is really high, uh, normally the response in, in that questionnaire would be like, hey, maybe it's time to get connected to a counselor or, or a professional. Um, so I, I really love um, the mental health checkup because it, it, it gives also the caregiver some sort of insight as what are the next steps if they do uh, maybe need that extra support. You know what I think is so interesting about this this checkup is I love the word checkup because I feel like people feel like there's not as much stigma around mental health when it comes to other people, right? Like I'm fine with other people talking about mental health, but I don't know that I want to talk about my own mental health. But when we say checkup, it really is a checkup, right? I go in and get my annual exam. I get my mammogram. I get my, you know, I, I get my cholesterol checked. Why would I not get my mental health checkup? And so mm-hmm. do you feel like that's something that we still need to overcome, even with our own caregivers, that they need to understand that their mental health is just as important as their physical health? Oh, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I think I think this goes, you know, gets tied uh, back to what I said earlier, um, that because our our field or, or the work that we do is very focused on serving others, oftentimes it's easy to dismiss your experience and what you're going through. And so it, it really does put it at the forefront uh, for our caregivers, the importance of doing these checkups with themselves, right? Am I, how am I handling the stress, the stress? stressful event. Um, So there's definitely a lot more work that needs to get done around the stigma because I think um, it's really hard for our caregivers to reach out for help when they've, you know, dedicated their lives uh, to a field that focuses on serving others and making sure others are doing well. Um, So I I, I agree. I think there's still a lot of work and I think this is the a great uh, opportunity. This campaign, I think, this mental health matters campaign is going to hopefully remove some of that stigma and providers and our staff, our nurses, and our you know our caregivers will start asking for help and 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 really normalizing that it's okay to ask for help when you need it. I always come back to this kind of a, this moment I had very early on in in COVID. I think it was we were like three months in, and I was in one of the critical care units. And I watched one of the nurses go in and they were rolling over the patient because that was when they were first finding out that, you know, rolling them over was helping with the chest. And mm-hmm. she came out and she just looked exhausted. And I just, I said to her, I said, are you okay? You know, and she said, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I said, you know, it's okay if you're not. It's okay if you're not okay. Mm-hmm. And she just started sobbing. And she said, you know, you're the only person who's asked me. And I, I don't know that I'm okay. You know, she's like, I, I think I'm okay. And I tell myself I'm okay, but I'm not sure that I am. And I think it was just this moment of clarity for her that it is okay not to be okay. And so sometimes I think it's just a matter of we need to teach ourselves to ask that question and to say to somebody, mm-hmm. are you sure? Are you sure you're okay, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, is there any tip that you would give a fellow caregiver when they're worried about somebody that they're working with or, you know, somebody on their unit or somebody in their department? Mm-hmm. Well, Mary, I, I love that you validated her and you normalized it. I think that is the very first step um, of helping maybe a caregiver um, learn how to navigate um, the stressful event or what they're maybe facing. I think normalizing is is the very first step, validating, right? Um, And asking. I think it's uh, quite courageous actually to go to your colleague or even your boss, right? Are you okay? Is everything okay, right? Because I think oftentimes there's this 
um, idea that being vulnerable um, is not okay in the work in the in, in our work setting. Um, and I think we're also going against that norm that has been uh, established for many years. Um, so I would say definitely making time to ask those questions, even if you're uncomfortable, because the reality is you're going to be uncomfortable because you don't know what the other person's gonna say. Uh, but I think um, learning really just to kind of validate and be, be present with that person, just kind of like what you did, Mary. You noticed you took, you know, that that courageous step and you normalized, hey, it's okay if you're not okay. And I think that's a great way of um, really approaching um, a situation when you notice that maybe your colleague is is looking a little down or a little burned out. Well, I, I, it's great advice because I do think sometimes it is just the 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 being in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I think, you know, we talked a little bit about stigma and one of the things I think is interesting is anytime I talk to anybody about this this kind of uh, mental health checkup, they always say, well, are you going to do it, right? <laughs> like, well, I, maybe I'll do it if you do it. So my question to you, Diana, are you going to do it? Are you going to take the checkup? <laughs> uh, absolutely, I'm going to do it. Um, I think myself as a licensed mental health therapist, uh, you know, we always, I always like to focus on, hey, if I'm teaching my patients to do these daily check-ins with herself, I better be doing these things for myself as well. Um, so I definitely will be doing um, the, you know, the, the mental health checkup um, because I, I, I think it's a good, um, a good resource, a good tool for, for, for ourselves as well to kind of see where we're at with our mental health and maybe if we need to get connected. Well, you know, when, when we talk about stigma, a lot of times we also talk about kind of just cultural beliefs, right? And it's not so much stigma, but it's how did you grow up? What did you know? And, you know, how how you were raised in your culture often, you know, changes the way that you view mental health. So how can, how can we think about how culture shapes, you know, our perceptions of mental health and how we might access help if we need it? And is that something that, that you kind of spend some time in? Yeah, I mean, I think I could speak on behalf of my experience as a, a Mexican-American. Um, I'm a first generation, and I think that in our Hispanic community, uh, mental health is really not, uh, one, identified. Um, and another is uh, if you are feeling depressed or feeling ang anxious, for example, right, um, it's it's really dismissed. It's not a safe place to really talk about it. Um, and so I think that cultural can definitely impact uh, your approach to mental health if you've been raised in a maybe a home or and again, it's not that this is a at fault for, you know, our parents are at fault for not you know creating this this safe space. I, I really do think it has to do with just generations, right? Um, and it gets carried over. And I think in our community today, um, the more we talk about about uh, mental health, which we've seen in the last year, I think COVID really uh, shined some light on this subject. And I think it's slowly going to start breaking barriers within our cultures as well. I think the more we educate um, our, you know, in this case, our Hispanic families, the more they will understand that this isn't just something that is made up of, or, hey, just, you know, if you just went out and, you know, exercise, 
not that it's not bad, it's not good, right? I think exercise can help relieve some of that depression or, or maybe even anxiety as research has shown. But I do believe that um, because of the stigma within our communities, oftentimes uh, people do not reach out for help and maybe wait until the symptoms become more unbearable and then they start seeing more challenges. Maybe it's filtering into their work performance. Um, so I'm really excited to also see where this goes because I think um, hopefully through more, uh, uh, the more we talk about uh, mental health, the less stigma uh, we will see in our communities. I, we were doing a segment recently on uh, young Latino girls. And, um, you know, we found out that Latino girls are three times more likely than their white counterparts to attempt suicide in high school. Mm -hmm. And it really came down to the culture. I don't feel like I can talk about it at home. I don't feel like there's anybody I can go to that looks like me, understands me, you know, is going to relate to me. And then there's just kind of vulnerability. And so I, I don't think that it's limited to Latino girls. I really don't, right? I think it's the entire culture. So mm -hmm. what steps would you, and I know you talked just a minute ago kind of about what these obstacles are, but what steps would you give to your Latino caregivers, your fellow caregivers to say, this is okay, or this is what you should do, or, or how would you just get them to take that next step to actually start either just thinking about it or really seeking help actively? I, I think the first step is really educating. Um, I think helping them understand what it is, um, helping them understand uh, uh, these early signs. Um, I think, um, that that's probably one of the first things that I think would be critical to making a change in maybe perspective or um, helping them navigate what to do next, right? If they are feeling maybe that low energy or have lost interest in previously enjoyable activities or are having trouble connecting with, you know, with relatives when in the past they were really social. Uh, so I think education is probably going to be the very first step and really being okay uh, with talking about it. Right, sharing those pieces of information. I think, like I said, vulnerability is a is a huge, huge um, challenge for many. Not just within our culture. I think across the board, uh, well, nobody likes to be vulnerable, right? <laughs> and so, I I think that that, like I said, I think education is going to be first, and really being okay with, hey, I I need to talk to someone, and it's okay. It's okay if I feel this way. Right. It's okay to um, to seek help if I need it. So if we're addressing the vulnerability, then Diana, tell tell people listening to this, how have you maintained your own mental health? Well, uh, there's a few things that I really enjoy doing. Um, and I told myself this early on in my career that, you know, as I started working in, in, in this field, I knew that this was going to be very important, my mental health, um, because essentially I'm providing and helping right, others navigate maybe the challenges they're facing. And so um, I made an effort to really incorporate exercise. Um, and so I've, I've kind of kept that uh, for, God, I've been in this field for a little bit over 10 years now. And um, so exercise has be become part of, of my routine, um, as well as um, reading devotionals, um, spending time journaling. Um, I really like to kind of sit down and reflect maybe things that I've learned or things that are coming up that I need to explore myself as well. And so those are probably the first three, the, the really 
three things that I rely on. Um, and I recently started incorporating yoga, uh, <laughs> uh, which as we know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's also very, very helpful. Um, and that's probably one of the activities that I wish I would have started really early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, especially as you get more and more flexible, right? You're like, oh, I could have done this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had the, the exercise and the journaling and reading books. I enjoy reading. So those have been really uh, things that I've enjoyed doing um, in, uh, in the course of my life. But I think yoga was one of those that I was like, how did I not start doing this before? Um, really a great way to kind of practice mindfulness and kind of grounding yourself, um, which is what we teach our patients to do, right? When they're feeling anxious. So I think um, those, like I said, those are probably my self-care activities. Well, those are some good ones. Those are some fun ones. It actually, it brings up something interesting. I was in a caregiver work group recently and asked, we were asking them kind of like, what are your bigger stressors? And so many of them said, it's the COVID weight gain. It's the weight that they've gained during COVID and how they just feel horrible about themselves. And that was one of the things we were talking about. It was if, if I'm already kind of feeling bad about myself and then I start feeling depressed because I feel bad about myself, it's kind of this vicious circle. So are there easier steps to take to make ourselves less hard on ourselves? I don't know how to phrase that, but. Well, um, listen, a book I, I recently wrote, I'm not sure if you've heard of Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, great book, right? <laughs> so I um, I really loved his, his concept. And, and one thing he says is you wanna give yourself these reachable and measurable goals, right? And I think he doesn't actually like to utilize the word goals, but I'm gonna use it because, you know, that's one way of helping my, my patients understand. Um, but I think that's that's really the key here is that you want to give, I mean, for example, a, a marathon runner, right? A marathon runner just doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to be a marathon runner. He has to really put in the work before he runs that marathon, right? And so um, I think oftentimes we set ourselves up for failure. For example, when we give give ourselves this massive goal, like I'm going to go to the gym every single day when you've never gone to the gym, right? <laughs> and so, I, you know, really be, giving yourself these realistic goals, these reachable goals, like maybe it means like, I'm going to put my uh, gym clothes on once a week, just this week. I'm just going to try to put on my gym clothes, see if I, you know, you're not, that's the very first step. So he says. Yeah. Says, give yourself these reachable and measurable goals because we respond well to immediate gratification. So when you do wear that gym clothes, right, you're going to feel like, oh, I accomplished something. I gave myself that goal to yeah. put on my gym clothes. And so that keeps you motivated and going. Um, and so I would say, like, again, you know, making sure that when you are giving yourself these things uh, to complete, that they are within your reach. You know, it's interesting when you start off, you were talking about the marathon runner because I, I was just listening to a podcast the other day where they were saying that it takes us was it like three months to build up our endurance to become like run five miles. I can't remember what the number yes. was, but it only takes you two weeks to get out of shape to not be able to do it. And so I was thinking about that in the context of mental health, right? It takes us a long time to figure out what is our mental health issue? How do we cope with it? What are our coping mechanisms? But we have to stick with it, right? And I think that's the part that people forget. So, so talk a little bit about how we do maintenance once we finally get to that place where we, maybe we've reached a little bit of self-acceptance or we've, ex we've acknowledged that maybe we have a little OCD and that's just fine. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, keeping a schedule, I think that was is one way of keeping yourself accountable. And also, most importantly, giving yourself grace, right? I think we're our biggest, our biggest critics. And so um, I oftentimes hear, oh, Diana, I didn't, you know, I didn't make the gym once a week like we had said, right? And I think it's important to also give yourself grace. Hey, sometimes one week is going to be a little bit more challenging because maybe you have some project going on at work. Maybe there's family life as well and something else is, you know, happening in your personal life. And so I think it's also important to, one, keep yourself accountable. And one way is by doing, you know, following a schedule or putting it on your calendar, reminders. But also that when you don't uh, maybe meet that goal you set for yourself, that you also give yourself grace. Uh, giving yourself grace has to be the best thing I've heard. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> well, I know you mentioned um, the um, behavioral health concierge, and I know that Providence has a lot of programs for caregivers. We've got th that program. We've got the caregiver assistance program. We've got tele-spiritual health. We've got mindfulness meetings and Silver Cloud, all these different things well, that sure. I don't know that everybody's aware of. And so we're hoping when they listen to these podcasts, they'll say, oh, I didn't know that existed. But are there any of the other programs that you really – you know, encourage your fellow coworkers to go check out? Well, I think the, the the very first one would be the behavioral health concierge that we've been talking a lot about. Um, uh, another one would be, um, I think there's this talk space as well um, that's been super helpful. Um, now, there's also self-guided resources, I think, that have been very helpful for, um, for our caregivers, like the uh, stress meter tool, the silver cloud or virtual calming room. I think those have been uh, very um, helpful uh, for caregivers. I agree. I love some of those tools, even, you know, as simple as I think it was, uh, I think it was silver cloud that I found like the box breathing technique and mm -hmm. just, just a few things that were maybe seem very small, but have made a huge difference in my life, you know? And I, I think sometimes it's just those little baby steps that do make the biggest difference. Absolutely. Yes, mm -hmm. I agree. Well, I know we're almost out of time and I feel like we should talk for another hour or two, but tell me, is there, is there anything um, that you really want your, especially in the Latin community, that you would want them to take away from this conversation that we haven't touched on or anything you just want to reinforce? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think um, one thing I'd like to really emphasize is, um, especially within my community, the importance um, of seeking help and talking about some of the you know issues maybe that come up. Um, I think it's so easy for us to dismiss and uh, not talk about it with our with professionals or with um, or with our immediate family as well because they might not understand or be able to align with us or empathize with what we're going through. Um, so if there's a, a takeaway, I would say don't be afraid. Talk about it with someone. Um, there's always someone uh, willing to listen, and even though you might not feel understood or um, within your immediate family, there are people out there in the world that can uh, provide that support that you need. So that's probably the, the takeaway, making sure that you don't dismiss yourself and, and, and take that leap of faith if, you wanna, if we want to call it that way. I love it. 
it's just, just take that step forward, right? Just make that mm-hmm. first, first move. I love it. Well, thank you, Diana, for joining us today on My Mental Health Matters. We look forward to continuing the conversation on mental health with more behavioral experts from Providence in our future episodes. Be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, visit Providence.org. You can also hear more of our shows on Dash Radio under the Future of Health radio station or on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening and you're a caregiver with Providence or any of our affiliate partners, please visit mymentalhealthmatters.live for a list of resources available to you. If you need help, you are not alone. We are here for you. Thanks for listening and be healthy. Thank you.